Kingman, Arizona, has an old-school vibe. The city of around 35,000 is in northwestern Arizona, about an hour's drive from the Nevada border. Route 66 runs through the heart of downtown. Get your kicks on Route 66. Retro neon signs advertise motels and diners, and an annual classic car festival draws people from all over. Don't forget Winona, Kingman, Boston, San Bernardino, won't you? They come, you know, to Kingman to see Route 66. It's a straight shot from Las Vegas to the Grand Canyon. Jamie Staley grew up in Kingman. She's serving her second term on the city council while running a landscaping business with her husband. She's petite with long brown hair, a former cheerleader who was also on the student council back in high school. It was a really great little small town when I was a kid. A lot of people lived, had lived here forever, you know, so I, I can remember going to the grocery store with my mom and it would take forever to get out of there because she knew everybody and, and we had to stop and talk. Today, Jamie's raising two daughters of her own. That's one of the reasons why I ran for city council. I wanted to help work on issues that would create a town where my daughters could go to college and there was a lot of opportunity for them to come back. A lot of rural cities are seeing our young people move away and, and they're not coming back because there aren't the jobs here. We want to see generation after generation to continue to live here. Jamie wants her kids to have a future in Kingman the way she and her husband did. He's from Kingman, too. So it was a little unsettling when about 10 years ago, they started noticing changes. It really happened overnight. Farms popping up in the desert. Nobody would have ever imagined that farms would locate here. I mean, if you had talked about that 20 years ago, you would have been laughed out of the room. Kingman is hot, with summer highs in the upper 90s and dry. The region sees just 5 to 10 inches of rain a year on average. But there they were, huge tracts of green sprouting from the desert floor. First, it was fields of alfalfa. So there's tall grass out where there used to be a dry lake bed. It's just insane. And later on, rows upon rows of pistachio trees and almond trees. At first, Jamie was baffled. You just know that it does not, that does not belong here. It isn't right. And then she grew alarmed. We realized that our water from our aquifer, which is our only water source, uh, drinking water source for, for our city, uh, was being depleted at a very rapid rate. She soon learned that four times as much water was coming out of the aquifer compared to what was going back in. She started hearing about wells north of town running dry. One family she knows packed up and sold. When their personal wells started to run dry, they they bailed. And, and that's really the big picture. That's what we're talking about is what happens to our town when we start to run out of water. So Jamie and other local leaders decided to do something about it, something that would divide the town in order to save it. It's not just Kingman, Arizona. Everybody's going to start finding themselves in a battle for drinking water. 
I'm Amy Scott. Welcome to How We Survive, a podcast from Marketplace about people navigating solutions to a changing climate. This is Episode 4, The Groundwater Wars. The last few episodes, we've been talking about the Colorado River, who has rights and who doesn't, how negotiations will reshape the American West. Kingman relies entirely on groundwater. And if that runs dry, local leaders worry it'll become a ghost town. So officials in this rural conservative place pursued an unexpected solution. They asked the state to intervene and pass strict regulations to protect groundwater, something that hasn't been done in Arizona in 40 years. This week, we bring you the story of a community battling over the water in its aquifer. This is government overreach. You got to have some kind of controls. You guys are basically killing the American dream here in Mojave County. And the elusive forces fighting back. Before we get into that battle, I want to take you north of Kingman to one of those farms Jamie Staley was so alarmed by. This is also the airport here, too. Rocky Dollywall is driving me northeast on Route 66 to his farm outside Kingman. He's wearing jeans and work boots and a blue dress shirt tucked in. From the road, the valley stretches for miles toward the distant Peacock Mountains. The flat land is dotted with cactus, yucca, and mesquite until we pull off onto a dirt road. Are these your little baby trees out here? Yes. Those are newly planted pistachio trees. Uh, newly planted, I mean a year old. The desert gives way to tidy rows of pistachio trees, almost as far as the eye can see. It takes a while to be able to harvest, right? Yeah, about seven years before we get the first harvest and about 10 years before they mature. Wow, so it takes a while for that work to pay off. It does. It's a big, big capital investment. And before we get those returns, all that. Rocky farms about 2,400 acres outside Kingman and has more land he hopes to develop. Rocky comes from a long line of farmers, going back five or six generations. He named his business Moga Agri Industries, after Moga, the town in India where he's from. His family immigrated to the U.S. in the 1970s. We started with absolutely nothing. Um, You know, my family came to this country with $8 in their pocket. So their main goal was for us to get education. His dad died when Rocky was just 11. To help support the family, he worked nights and weekends at the local 7-Eleven while going to high school during the day. Rocky achieved the family dream. He went to college, became a dentist. He still practices a bit. But about 14 years ago, he went back to the family business. So how'd you go from being a dentist to being a farmer? Or it was farming and then dentistry? farming was always in the blood, right? He started farming in California's Central Valley. We started growing the nuts, then we started moved into processing, then we started moving into marketing. So now we are kind of vertically integrated into the nuts. Then a severe drought hit the region. From 2012 to 2015, California experienced the driest four years in more than a century of record keeping. Farmers lost billions of dollars to lower crop yields and higher groundwater pumping costs. And Rocky started looking at other options. 
Some people might wonder, like, why farm in the desert? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty dry. You know, um, the reason we started looking outside California was not this last drought, but the previous drought there. And for us there, it was getting very expensive to grow crops and nuts in California. We came out to Mojave County. We studied this area for many years. We put a lot of time, effort, money into it. And we found that this is one of the places that we could grow nuts. Rocky says pistachio are desert trees and do well in places with dry, hot summers and cool winters when the trees go dormant. There's also plenty of sunshine. Land was cheaper, and there were no limits on pumping groundwater. Growing nuts in the desert takes a lot of water. Rocky says one acre of pistachios uses at least two and a half acre feet of water per year, enough to supply about seven households. When we visited in June, some of Rocky's trees were actually getting too much water. We get out of the car to see a large pool spreading across the dry fields. Yeah, over here the ground is cracked. That's how dry it is. And there's a a little um, mini Lake Havasu forming on your farmland. Rocky suspects a leak from off his property. He's surprisingly calm, considering he'd lost about 30 acres of pistachio trees. Today he's meeting up with a drone operator to investigate. Clear. He's going to fly the drone there, kind of follow this leak. We just want to see where it is, and so we can just get that corrected. We later confirmed the water is intentional discharge from a city wastewater treatment plant that flows through a wash on Rocky's property and seeps into the aquifer. Rocky says he's careful with water. Pumping groundwater is a big expense. Years ago, he switched from traditional flood irrigation, which wastes a ton of water, to more efficient drip irrigation. We are conserving anywhere from 20 to maybe even 35 percent of the water. We use all the latest technology that comes in because every drop counts for us. And all of this water comes from the Wallapai Valley groundwater basin the basin that local officials say can't sustain all this farming. Over the last 10 years, where we had really very small amount of agriculture in the Kingman area, it's blown up. Travis Lingenfelter is a Mojave County supervisor. Kingman is the county seat. He's been leading the fight to protect the groundwater. We've had these Middle Eastern farms move in. We've had these Central California farms move in. One company from the UAE, Aldara ACX, owns 16,000 acres through its Wallapai Valley farm. Another, called Peacock Nuts, owns 7,500 acres. According to the Arizona Republic, Peacock is a consortium of farmers from California and Nevada and overseas investors. Travis says a recent study by the U.S. Geological Survey found that since all these farms moved in, the groundwater has been depleting. 10,000 acre feet estimated going in as far as recharge every year. 44,000 acre feet was being pumped out every year. And this is as of October 2022. That's a 34,000-acre-foot deficit per year. Travis says 60% of the water coming out of the aquifer is used by farms. If you do the math, that's billions 
of gallons of groundwater that is very difficult to replenish. And if farming continued growing at its recent pace? The southern part of the basin was going to be in trouble in about 40 years' time. That means the city of Kingman would have to drill new, much deeper wells for urban use. It would cost tens of millions of dollars, and it would fall completely on local residents. The city of Kingman citizens would have by far the highest water rates in the whole state. And this area isn't the most affluent. A lot of people wouldn't be able to afford it. They simply wouldn't be able to afford it. Um, and the scary part is, is there is no plan B. We don't have river water. We don't have uh, a secondary water supply. Kingman is just 30 miles east of the Colorado River, but diverting the water over the mountains and to the city would have been expensive. So the city actually sold its rights to the river in the 90s. A mistake, some say, in hindsight. So very easily it could turn into a public health crisis where people are not being able to afford water, doesn't matter what else we do, everything else is predicated on the fact that we're assuming we have a water certainty. This surprised me, but until recently, there were almost no regulations protecting groundwater in this part of rural Arizona. You can drill as many wells as you want. You can pump as much water as you want. You don't have to report it to anybody. It doesn't matter if you harm negatively your neighbor's wells, if you make your neighbor's wells go dry, or if, if you affect their water supply. 85% of the state is just uh, the Wild West still, and you can do whatever you want. As long as it, it's your land, you can you can put a straw on and start withdrawing. Councilwoman Jamie Staley again. Around 2016, city and county leaders realized this was a disaster in the making. We had to stop the expansion of these corporate farms that are just withdrawing all of our drinking water because we don't have any other options once that is depleted. But stopping it wasn't going to be easy. Kingman is a conservative town in the reddest county in Arizona, Mojave County, where suspicion of government runs deep. So local leaders pursued a solution that might seem surprising here. They asked the state to step in and impose tough regulations on groundwater use. The State Department of Water Resources declined twice, saying there wasn't enough evidence to support regulations. But in the spring of 2022, in the midst of extreme drought conditions and an updated model showing a higher risk of groundwater depletion, officials had a change of heart and said they'd consider restricting irrigation. The move set off a firestorm. This is government overreach and violation of your oath of office. The state held two public meetings packed with concerned citizens, some vehemently opposed to the regulations. You guys are basically killing the American dream here in Mojave County. We the people have a God-given right to land and the water underneath that land without regulations. I can't understand why everyone is attacking agriculture. Others wanted the state to step in and stop big corporate farms from draining the aquifer. We all know what locusts do. 
They will strip resources and then they're gone. And then what's left is what we have is dried up crops. All we hear is drought, 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 but yet you're allowing these wells just to go goofy. You gotta have some kind of controls. And last year, the state finally agreed. It designated the Wallapai Valley Groundwater Basin as an Irrigation Non-Expansion Area, or INA, a jargony name with big consequences. I hate using that term because no one knows what it means. What it means is that the Wallapai Valley is off-limits for any new irrigation. Farmers who are already here can keep farming, but they can't expand, and no new farms can move in. So when it finally got approved, what was your reaction? Oh, my gosh. I, I was so relieved. I mean, I was so relieved. We, My own family, we were talking about, okay, if this doesn't get approved this time, it might be time for us to talk about selling our business, selling our house, and moving uh, somewhere that had a, a better water source. Farmers naturally objected. They say officials have overstated the danger to the aquifer, claiming there's plenty of water to go around. And they point out the industry creates local jobs and tax revenue. It's a heated argument because there's a lot of money at stake for these corporations um, that are farming here. The farms are very powerful, so they have their group that's fighting back and trying to sow seeds of doubt. The regulations have pitted neighbors against neighbors, longtime residents against newcomers, farmers and ranchers against elected officials. It pains me to take a stance on an issue that makes you anti-farming. You know, how can you be against, like, I like to eat, you know? Um, but that's really where you're at. And, and so they're, what they're growing is not, is not supporting our community. We're not, we're not seeing the fruits of, of our resources that are going into it. In fact, some of the uh, things that are being produced are going out of the country even. So they are growing crops that are being exported to other um, countries that don't want to use their water to, to grow these items. So, and that, and that, is almost mind-blowing that we're allowing that to happen. There's some context here. The Kingman fight comes in the midst of the recent uproar over a large Saudi farm that grows alfalfa a few hours' drive south of Kingman to ship back home to feed cattle. Saudi Arabia banned alfalfa farming a few years ago to protect its own water. Aldara, the UAE company farming near Kingman, is also a big exporter of alfalfa for animal feed. Though Aldara told the Arizona Republic it no longer grows alfalfa in the Wallapai Valley. One of the people leading the charge to restrict irrigation in the valley, County Supervisor Travis Lingenfelter, is in the farming business himself. His family owns a small vineyard. They sell grapes to a large wine producer. So you're a farmer and you have your grapes. What do you say to farmers who've bought land, planning to develop it, and now can't and are kind of holding the bag? I've had some of the corporate farmers actually sort of give me similar questions. And I what, imagine so. And what I tell them is, and they probably don't like this answer, but so if you're in business, I don't care what sort of a business it is, you have to do your research because there's always going to be a certain level of risk when it comes to doing business. So I'm sorry if they if they purchased, you know, but um, unfortunately, um, 
you know, we, we can't allow the problem to get any worse than it already is. We also, you know, have a few more acres that we could expand, um, but we're not going to do that because it's just, you know, um, sign of the times. We just can't do that right now. And this is where small-town politics get personal. Travis's family actually sold farmland to Rocky Dollywall, the pistachio farmer. Farmland that the new rules say Rocky cannot develop. Did you sell some land to that farm? Did you own the adjacent land? Um, I didn't. I had a a family member um, who basically became the trustee of the property after uh, my grandfather passed away. And he and my aunts um, decided to sell property to them. Um, I didn't have any, any say in that at all. Um, I've actually told them, you know, in a personal conversation that, you know, I disagreed with them selling to that uh, entity, but um, I didn't have any control over that. For Rocky, the new regulations have threatened the future of his business. He estimates 30 to 40 percent of his land is still undeveloped. He had plans to expand his operation and even build a pistachio processing plant. Now those plans are on hold. The investments that we've made there, we are, we've made contracts to drill wells. We've had signed contracts to have the pistachio trees delivered to us, which when the INA got passed there, got put on hold. We cannot do that. We are halfway in the middle of everything, and all of a sudden this got thrown into us that we cannot farm anymore. So what do you do? Do you? I imagine it's hard to sell that land if no one else can farm it. Right, right now, nobody wants to buy that land there. You cannot sell it. Um, so we are basically can't do anything with that land. He's considering building housing on some of the land. Only pumping water for farming is restricted. That's one reason farmers oppose the INA. It doesn't apply to housing or industry. But it's not just farmers who oppose the new regulations. John Gall is a real estate developer and investor. He's working with Rocky on plans for his undeveloped land. But he says that might be hard to do under the new rules, too. In this part of rural Arizona, developers don't have to prove they have a 100-year supply of water in order to build. But they do have to disclose to the public if they don't have an adequate supply. As an investor, would I want to invest millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars into a community where that's not certain? No, I wouldn't. You know, in these uncertain economic times, we're looking for sustainable, uh, I guess, low-risk investments. And in this area right now, we're in an in a environment where we're not sure what's going to happen in the future. And I don't think the city or the county uh, contemplated that. They just wanted to stop agriculture because it wasn't what they wanted. John says he thinks there's something else underlying this whole debate. Kind of a attitude in the Kingman community that we, we don't want outsiders here. We want, we want our, our own people, a small town kind of attitude. Now some of these outsiders are fighting to undo the groundwater protections. That's after the break. Thanks for listening to How We Survive. What you're hearing is the product of independent public media journalism. On this show, our only agenda is to investigate solutions to the climate crisis and share them with you. Oh, and to have at least a little fun on the way. 
We count on donations to do this important work. You can make a gift to support us today at marketplace.org slash survive. You can also find a link in our show notes. I want to tell you a little more about how farms started popping up in this hot, dry part of Arizona in the first place, because it's kind of a wild tale that has to do with a controversial Las Vegas housing developer named Jim Rhodes. He didn't respond to our requests for an interview, but a colorful 2014 profile in the Las Vegas Sun described him as somewhat jittery and rubbery-limbed, a guy who, quote, smokes Marlboros, drinks Red Bull, and pleads ignorance or gives conflicting details about his own business. Rhodes had developed some big master-planned communities and golf courses in the Las Vegas area, And in the early 2000s, he turned his sights to the Kingman area, less than two hours away. John Gall was there. He was a development consultant for Jim Rhodes' company. Given how remote this part of Mojave County is, it seems kind of hard to believe now. But John says during the housing boom, developers thought it was a prime spot for growth. It would be a 90-minute commute, and they thought that this area would become a suburb of Las Vegas. Jim Rhodes' company bought up tons of land, about 80,000 acres for $300 million, according to the Las Vegas Sun, and started making plans to build about 250,000 homes. But we all know what happened next. What happened was the course of the economy in the 2008 financial crisis, when the Great Recession occurred, all those hopes were, were dashed. The housing market tanked. Jim Rhodes never got further than building four model homes, and his dreams of building a city from scratch turned to dust. So the developer found another way to use the land. He struck upon the idea of farming. And when that happened, at first the community had no concerns. There were no water concerns. There were no issues. But as farming started to grow, um, individuals like uh, Rocky Dollywall started to come and look at the area as an alternative to California to grow crops. And the community became fearful that that would take all of their groundwater. So Jim Rhodes ushered in a new kind of farming into the desert of Mojave County. Huge operations of thirsty crops like alfalfa and nuts. And his legacy still haunts Mojave County and threatens to undo the new groundwater protections. Let me explain. As far as we can tell, Jim Rhodes isn't farming in the Wallapai Valley anymore. His farming venture, Kingman Farms, filed for bankruptcy in 2018. A new crop of owners have taken over, including Aldara, that UAE company we told you about, and another called Opal Investments. Now Opal, along with another firm called Steph Investments, is suing to reverse the new regulations restricting groundwater pumping. County Supervisor Travis Lingenfelter hasn't had much luck finding out who's behind Opal and Steph. One of them is, um, I believe, a Nevada LLC, and one of them is a Utah LLC. But I can't find any information on these guys. They are really shrouded. I mean, I can't find... um, really who it is at all. We contacted the Arizona Department of Water Resources. That's the state department the investors are suing. 
What can you tell us about these two parties behind this lawsuit, Steph Investments and Opal Investments? Not much. That's director Tom Bushatsky. Not much because you can't or because they're... Not because I don't want to comment on ongoing litigation. It was Tom's decision to create the INA, and he stands by it. We were certainly very careful to, in my mind, follow the law and have a defensible outcome in terms of my decision to create that irrigation non-expansion area. After a lot of calls and emails, we finally reached Opal and Steph's lawyer, Adrian Hoffmeyer. Adrian's a Tucson-based lawyer representing Opal and Steph in their appeal of the state's decision to create the INA. So who, who's behind Opal and Steph Investments? Who are your clients? Uh, they two guys. Guys named Ezra Nilsson and Bob Evans. Both have had long careers in housing development. Adrian says her clients kind of fell into the situation. They are not farmers. They were lenders to the farming entities that owned this acreage up in northern Mojave County. That farming entity, again, is the company owned by Jim Rhodes, the controversial Las Vegas housing developer. So Opal and Steph were lenders to Rhodes' company, Kingman Farms Ventures. And when Kingman Farms went bankrupt, she says they foreclosed on the property. Property the new regulations make a lot less valuable. They didn't intend to be owners of this land, and it feels like they've got caught in the crossfire of um, the Mojave County Board of Supervisors not liking the original owner of the land. According to public records, Opal owns about 10,000 acres of land in Mojave County, north of Kingman. If farming is off the table, Adrian says they've considered putting solar panels on the land. But Mojave County just put a temporary moratorium on new solar farms, officials say to allow more time to study their impact. The Mojave County Board of Supervisors seemed to be doing a lot in its power to ensure that this land becomes valueless. Opal and Steph filed their notice of appeal at the beginning of this year. They argue the INA unfairly targets one industry, farming. We totally agree that groundwater needs to be protected, but the way that this INA is being created is it is limiting one group of people's right to use water for the benefit of another. They also claim that the state's decision was based on overly dire projections that didn't take into account steps farmers have taken to irrigate more efficiently or actual rates of groundwater withdrawal. These farmers don't want to run out of water. They're doing everything in their power not to run out of water. And the study that ADWR relied on with these future projections didn't take any of that into account. If their challenge is successful, it could undo the regulations Jamie Staley and local leaders fought so hard to convince the state to impose. I am nervous, but I do believe that if we could convince the ADWR to give the INA, um, that a judge will also be able to look at that scientific data. And I mean, it's clear cut. There's no question that it it's a problem. So I have hope and faith that the judge will do the right thing. 
for now, the new groundwater regulations stand. They've been in place since late 2022. They've stopped new farms from moving in and pumping out more groundwater. So in some ways, a total success for leaders like Jamie. But in other ways, the regulations have just frozen in time, a problem that's already underway. I think anybody that's familiar with this issue would tell you that the INA was just a first step because the, you know, the, the data shows it's not enough. According to the official projections, there's still a groundwater deficit, a gap of 34,000 acre-feet per year. More solutions are needed. And in fact, the city and county are working to recharge the groundwater by capturing more rainwater and treating wastewater and injecting it underground. They're also investing in conservation programs to use less water in the first place. Jamie Staley hopes all of these things will preserve her rural desert town for her daughters and for generations to come. That's it for this episode. Next week, we visit a community that actually experienced the fate that local leaders in Kingman are so concerned about. They have to promise me to not think untoward of us because we've been literally camping in this house uh, for six months now with no real running water. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, you can leave us a review or share with a friend. It all really helps us. How We Survive is hosted by me, Amy Scott. Senior producer Caitlin Esch and I wrote this episode. Our producers are Haley Hirschman, Lena Fonza, and Courtney Bergseeker. Help this season from Peter Balanon-Rosen and Sophia Polisa-Carr, and Marketplace reporter Savannah Marr. Our editor is Jasmine Romero, sound design and original music by Chris Julin, and audio engineering by Brian Allison. Special thanks to our colleagues at APM Research Lab and John Gordon and Betsy Streisand. Our theme music is by Wonderly. Bridget Bodner is director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is executive director. Neil Scarborough is vice president and general manager of Marketplace. <laughs>